Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Now we turn to hard words, uh, ironically. The, we talk about repentance. John the Baptist in the third chapter of Matthew, beginning in verse 1. But I hope to make the case today that this is not bad news at all. Let's hear the word of the Lord. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance." Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. All right, here's the scene. Old West Tavern. Men sitting at small tables playing cards, spittooned down next to their spurs. There's one bartender. He's the saloon owner. He lives above the saloon. It's a regular afternoon, a little crowded, but a regular late afternoon until this Gabby Hayes-looking fella runs in, hits the swinging doors, and starts screaming, Bad Bart's a-coming! Bad Bart's a-coming! And that quickly, the place cleared out. In less than a minute, cards are scattered, drinks are spilled. It is empty, except for the one saloon owner who's got no place to go. He lives above the bar. Well, about that time, the ground started to rumble and shake. 
And off to the dis- in the distance, you could hear before you could see a stampede of buffalo heading into town. This stampede of buffalo being ridden by a gang of men. And on the largest of the buffalo out front is the largest of these men. He's huge. He's got wild hair and beard and wild eyes. And he's got bullets strapped across his chest and he carries a knife in his teeth. The stampede stops at the saloon door. He goes through the door, walks up to the bar and says, I'll have a rye. The bartender takes out a clean glass and a bottle of rye, sets them gently down. The man takes the bottle, bites off the top of it, glass shards spit out, He drinks from the bottle, slams it back down, and says, I'll have another. The saloon owner grabs another and sets it down and leans over and says, Mister, are are you going to be in town long? The man stares at him hard and says, No, haven't you heard? Bad Bart's a-coming. I just love that story. (laughs) I told that story one night with a group of buddies, and he said, I know Bad Bart. I worked for her once. (laughs) John the Baptist declares, one who is more powerful than I am is coming later. And this is the Advent passage that anticipates the coming of Jesus' power into the world. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. John is our most bizarre Christmas figure, no doubt about that. He's just so strange and unwelcome at Christmas time. I mean, we're, we're right in the season of donkeys and sheep and laughter and everything is bright. We want to hang tinsel and drink eggnog and, oh, it's the hap- happiest season of all. Then here comes John the Baptist. He just shows up. He interrupts and he starts yelling, which doesn't sound like Christmas at all. Have you, have you noticed that it happens that way in the Scripture, too? At the end of chapter 2, Jesus is with his family. They're making their way home to Nazareth. Then with no transition at all, chapter 3, verse 1, here's John doing his bizarre John thing that he does. And yet this wild country evangelist cousin of Jesus shows up in every gospel He's strange, but he's centrally important to the story. And when we meet him here in chapter 3, he's dressed in camel skins, which probably uh, improve the way he smells. And his diet consists of locust and wild honey. It, it, It occurred to me, at the church potluck, they probably asked John to bring the cups and the plates. Don't you figure? And John doesn't come bringing tidings of great joy. John talks about vipers and wrath and axes and unquenchable fire. He's unwelcome at Christmas time. 
But there may be good, more good news to his preaching than it looks like at first glance. I mean, I, I know repentance and good news don't sound like they go together. But it's really a misunderstanding of what repentance is. Many people think that repentance is just feeling awful. Just feel bad about yourself. Just be really, really sorry. Feel really guilty. Then tell people you're really sorry. And then feel really guilty some more. That's not repentance. Repentance means to turn around and face the other way. Now, clearly there's got to be an admission that you're going the wrong way now. So repentance does involve some awareness and humility to confront the current choices that are not leading to the life abundant. But the core of repentance isn't guilt. It's turning. It's going the other way. And repentance is good news. If you are walking in a way that is headed off the edge of a cliff, then turning and going the other way is good news. The first recorded saying of Jesus in Mark's gospel, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. They go together. Repenting is good news. If you yell at a child before the child touches a hot stove, It's an act of love. Getting her to turn around, even if it causes her to cry, it is still good news if somebody turns away from something that will hurt them. And the act of repenting is turning away from what will hurt us. And John the Baptist is in a long line of prophets who have long been in the business of telling the people of God when they were headed in the wrong direction. It's not punishment for punishment's sake, and it's not yelling for yelling's sake. The prophets are saying you are making destructive decisions, so stop it. It's just prophetic love. In Matthew's gospel, just since the beginning of chapter 2 until now, Matthew has quoted Micah, Hosea, Jeremiah, and now Isaiah. And those are just the direct quotes, not even the Old Testament illusions. John the Baptist is saying, we have been here before, people. And the God who loves you is just tired of you continuing to walk around in destructive paths. So repent, go the other way, turn around. Theologian John Howard Yoder has it right. He says, to repent is not to feel bad, but to think differently and therefore to act differently. So if repentance is turning around, going the other way, going that way, away from the decisions that will harm us, then John's message is good news, and it means it's possible to change. By God's power, you are not destined to go in the direction your life is headed right now. It's possible to turn around, go in a new direction that leads to life abundant. That 
is good news any way you slice it. Okay, let me back off just a little. The message of John the Baptist is not such good news if you're one of the self-absorbed, better-than, holier-than-thou, arrogant types. He does say to the Pharisees and Sadducees, you brood of vipers. But in Matthew's gospel, it's those insiders who get such critique. The outsiders, the outcasts, often get it. Have you noticed? The preacher types get hit hard in the first gospel, but those on the margins see what the insiders often miss. Earlier in Matthew, you remember that it was three Gentile foreigners, magi from some other country, one of them was here today, who asked, where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? They're in on it. Those who are outside the power structure often get to see what what God is up to. By the way, this is an aside. It has nothing to do with the sermon. But have you ever noticed that as key as John the Baptist is in the Christmas story, he doesn't end up in any Christmas cards? I'm just I'm like, have you ever gotten a Christmas card and said, look, honey, this is from the Fullers. You brood of vipers. Every tree, therefore. <laughs> he just, he just, it just never happens. All right, back to the sermon. It is true that John is pretty rough on the prideful. So if you're rather full of yourself, you might, this might not sound like good news at all. But it's been my experience that far more people suffer from despair than from arrogance. Bad choices, childhood trauma, a lifetime of being told that you aren't enough, You aren't pretty enough, you aren't smart enough, you aren't tough enough, you aren't successful enough, you simply are not enough. As I said, I know far more people who fight despair than arrogance. And those who have given up on God's good news, which is tied to repentance, have determined that despair is just their life script. Acting like life abundant is only for other people. I'm one of the losers. I've got to continue to walk toward the cliff. I'm the one who has to continue to make bad choices. This is the life I lead. Besides, I'm not enough anyway. I reread a book recently that I'd read several years ago. It's the only book I know of that actually changed title in the second printing. The title in the second printing was Leading for a Lifetime. But in the first printing, it was called Geeks and Geezers. I can imagine that offended some people and they changed it. But it was a, it was a Harvard business study of highly successful people under the age of 35, geeks, highly successful people over the age of 70, the geezers, and that what they were looking for was, was, is there some kind of thing they share? I mean, they, they came up in different generations, are there, but 
Are there characteristics shared regardless of what generation you grew up in? Are there attributes of leaders in both cases? The distilled learning from that book was that both successful groups handled hardship in a way that was constructive. What the book calls crucible moments. The single most distinguishing characteristic of leadership was the ability to not be undone by hardship, but to be able to transform the difficulty into learning and inspiration for a new way forward. The book does not use the word repentance, but it is at the core of what they learned. To take these bad choices to turn and go in a new direction to stop doing what destroys us and to change. And through the power of the one who is coming after John the Baptist, you can be made new again. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. So maybe Advent is the right time to talk about repentance. We're anticipating doing a new thing on Christmas morning. So perhaps it is the right season to think about what new thing God is trying to do in us this season. Here's the hard central question of the sermon. In what way is your life walking toward the cliff? How is it? that you should turn and stop going in the way that leads to ruin and step instead into a promise-filled future. And the season highlights the obvious places that new direction might be asked for. More purchases bring uh, highlight to our finances Some in the room surely have some room for repentance there. More time with family shines light on the relationships that are fractured. Is it time to turn and walk toward somebody you have been walking away from? The contrast of Santa Claus and commercialism over against Advent and the sacred brings our core values up to the surface What do we really find ultimate and important? Is it time to walk in a new direction? Is a life marked by despair, I'm not enough, I don't measure up, is a life marked by despair the road to life abundant? Or is it time to turn around and go the other way? To repent, believe the good news that you are a beloved child of God made in God's own image. I don't know. I don't know what repentance looks like for you individually, but I do know that everybody in this room carries some pain that could use hope and could use the promise of new creation. This is why I think John the Baptist's message is not some scary, fiery threat of more guilt and more despair. 
This is the message of hope. Repentance means that the past loses its power, that real change is possible, the walk toward the cliff can be turned around, that crucible moments do not have to define us, that Jesus is coming and new life is possible. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptist baptized people. A clean start, a new beginning. But he said, somebody's more powerful is a-coming. Someone who's greater, who baptizes with the Holy Spirit of God. Someone who has the power to make new creation in us. So repent, it is good news indeed to choose a path that leads to life. And it is possible to do it because there's a baby on, on the way. A baby who makes all the difference. Do you believe that? Then where will you repent as we stand and sing together? Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.